Hello and welcome to Straight Talk, Supply Chain Insights, the podcast for your supply chain leader who is on the go and wants to be in the know. And now, your host, Laura Sassiri. In preparation for the Supply Chain Insights Global Summit, we do a digital showcase where we ask technologists to give us their insights on what does Supply Chain 2030 look like and how do we prepare? Today, I am talking to Jeff Matursky. Now, I've known Jeff for probably 15 years. We've been in the same space for a long time. And Jeff is one of the resources I turn to when I have questions about network design or optimization. And so he's a great resource. I encourage you to talk to him when you're at the coffee pot or online. But Jeff now works for Optologic, and Optologic is doing work on simulation. And one of the speakers at the conference has actually been working with Jeff. So Jeff, welcome. Uh, Tell the group a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thanks, Laura. And I'm not sure if it's 15 years or 20, but it's been it's been a long time. Um, so I've I've been in the supply chain space now, going on past 35 years. My background is is in industry. Uh, so I started out in the in industry in GM and IBM. Been in a variety of different consulting companies, including one I co-founded in Chainalytics, uh, and a variety of different software companies, including at the time what was I2 Technologies. Uh, executive there, executive at LlamaSoft, and now um, the strategist, basically, uh, at OptiLogic. Um, and I've been focused, most of that entire career uh, has been on supply chain design. So whether it's network design, supply chain design, but physically designing the supply chains, the infrastructure of supply chains, the modes that are being used, locations, flows, and the, the policies that actually govern the running and operations of those supply chains. So, Jeff, many people don't know who Optologic is. It's new. So tell the group a little bit about Optologic and what your mission is. Yeah. So Optologic has kind of been under the radar now for several years. It originally started with the philosophy of building kind of a generic platform uh, to support decision science activities in the cloud, right? So hyperscalability in the cloud, not domain specific. We made a pivot about two years ago based on what we perceived as the needs in the market to actually focus our energy on a specific solution area being supply chain design. Um, And so we are are bringing to market, we are focused on supply chain design solutions uh, being a combination of technology and services to focus on the design market and to bring offerings that combine together technologies of optimization, simulation, and risk rating all together so that customers and companies could do a much better job of evaluating their supply chain designs. Now, you and I have talked about simulation a lot, but people confuse what if optimization with discrete event simulation. Can you just talk quickly about the difference? Yeah, so so optimization in and of itself as a technology is actually prescriptive, right? It's saying in a set of conditions, right, that I have that I'm evaluating, for any given input scenario, tell me what's the best to do based on an objective function, whatever that might be. And typically that objective function is minimizing cost. Occasionally companies are looking at maximizing profit. Simulation is actually looking at the detailed business logic of how supply chains run and operate. And it's and it's testing the policies and the structure that's given to it. So instead of trying to tell you what should be the changes you make in any given scenario, it is evaluating the operational level detail policies and logic as first phase, 
The second phase of what it does that optimization technology, at least in our space, doesn't do at all is understand variability. And so when I actually have the variability aspects on my supply, demand, my transportation, I can actually, I can't understand an optimization, how the network will perform. I don't understand what will happen from a service level perspective, from an order fulfillment customer perspective. And so when I combine the two of them together, I can get a prescriptive answer that I can then go test in the simulation environment, bringing in all that additional variability, complexity, and logic to truly understand performance before I then go implement my design change. Now, I simplistically think about simulation as a way to test the feasibility plans, because I think most people, when they do what-if optimization, assume the plan's feasible, but, you know, with variation and, you know, what's happening in the world today, a lot of people are operating without really feasible plans, right? They're asking teams to do the impossible. A hundred percent. And and many times, you know, in in you know the the state of the art in this for forever, you're always making aggregations when you're doing kind of the optimization world. So you're not you're not necessarily looking at every single skew that flows through your network. You're not looking at daily activity. I mean you're usually making some types of product aggregations or aggregating customers, doing things in monthly buckets. And so you're getting kind of the the strategic look of where things are going to be heading. But a lot of times, my biggest thing that I've seen throughout my career is, but this is not operationally feasible. How do you know that I'm going to be able to do this? And a lot of times we try to do that through optimization scenario analysis, but it doesn't quite always get you where you want to be to that comfort level that leaders want. And it's so needed. But Jeff, why is simulation not taken off? Because you know, in the 1970s, I was working on simulation models and they were really hard and they were small pieces, right? We couldn't do a lot of memory. Why is simulation not really taken off? Well, I think I think you hit on two of the things. Like, right? So one is um, it was really hard. You know, the technologists of the world that I've been part of it for a long time didn't make it easy to use. We didn't make it so that it really represented in an easy way that you can kind of pull it off the shelf and say, this is how I do replenishment. Yeah, I got one of those modules for you. This is how I do transportation planning. Yeah, I have that module for you. You had to code everything almost from scratch. And then on top of it, I mean, computing horsepower, as we all know, keeps on getting better and better and better and faster and faster. So the granularities and the details of this modeling environment allow us to do this now. It's not that we couldn't do it before, but it was, you know, almost a lot of companies would say it was painful enough for me to do the optimization heavy lift that comes along with that. And now you're asking me to do simulation after that. And now my duration of time of studying things is really elongated. And we got into an environment where I just couldn't wait three, six months to make decisions. I need to compress them. And so if I had to choose between them, I chose optimization because it was already available and relatively easy to use where simulation was so difficult. And we're, we're working really hard to change that game so that everything is compressed in, in the cycle of making decisions. So a lot of the people that you're working with at Optologic have been in this space for years, right? I mean, Don Hicks and a lot of the people that you worked with at Lomasoft. So right. we expect great things from you, Jeff. And uh, We expect you know. great things as well. We expect <laughs> to deliver on that, Laura. <laughs> I don't want to disappoint you. <laughs> So let's extrapolate this to 2030. What do you think 2030 looks like and how do people prepare? It's a great question. And I, I, you know, I think that I'm not in a position to say what 2030 is going to look like in all honesty, but I, I, I started preparing for this by 
you know, asking other people inside the company what they thought it was. And then I started doing some research out there. And instead of being specific, I think I'm going to answer like the, ge the generic way, right? And for me, the generic way is I don't believe that uncertainty and variability is shrinking. I think it's going to just continue to grow. And we've become so interconnected in our supply chains and depending on so many different entities to participate that we are going to be exposed more and more and more to this uncertainty, right? I mean, there's the there's kind of the known knowns and then there's the unknowns and where does it all come from? I don't think that's getting any better. In fact, throughout my career, I just think it's it's gotten worse and worse and worse or, or bigger and bigger. I shouldn't say worse. That's not the right way of saying it. I think in 2030, by the time we get there from, from where we act in the world, decision-making is going to be accelerated, right? We're going to be able to make some of these decisions that we've always classically put in these buckets of strategic and tactical and operational. They're getting blurred and they're just going to get more and more blurred. We're going to be able to respond and act much faster. We, we believe when we look at us in 2030, that we're at a point now where it doesn't require such massive expertise to model supply chains that the expertise that we've all gathered over all these years is actually embedded in the technology. And so we see a future where the ability to answer questions about your design is not done by the modelers, it's done by the leaders of the company. So they don't have to worry, like it's almost like an expert system interrogation of what are you looking for? What do you wanna do? Okay, here's a model design. Here's some of my external data. Does that help you out? Add your internal data. But we've gotta really compress and shorten this cycle that it takes to make decisions and elevate it up to those individuals that that really are influencing the decision making and understand what's going on. Absolutely. And so this democratization of work so that, you know, business leaders can make decisions could be a huge opportunity because we're seeing it takes two to three months. And the more variability, the greater the lag in decision making. And also what I find really fascinating, Jeff, is, you know, the global supply chain was built on three assumptions. The government would be rational, variability would be low, and transportation would always be available. And those assumptions are no longer valid. But as those assumptions are falling apart, the organization wants to control more and the market's becoming more variable. And so it's interesting for me to watch the inability of organizations to make decisions. So I'm very hopeful that, you know, yeah. guys like you can help to kind of break the lock to help people to visualize the impact of variability and help business leaders do that versus, you know, the planner with one to two years of experience. Right, right. And I and I do think underneath that well as well as we we've not done a great job as an industry in this space. Like we're not we're not helping organizations understand that the the true trade-offs that exist, right? We've been so cost focused. I mean, we we got the supply chains we designed, right? right. We designed we designed unfortunately, them right? unfortunately, but right. I mean under those three pillars that you said, I mean we designed towards that. We designed for cost, right? And efficiency. And, and we didn't worry about variability. I mean, literally just was not a consideration in most of the hundreds of supply chain design initiatives that I've been part of. And it, and it bit us. And it bit us harder than it ever has before. But I think part of what we owe as Opulogic to the community is the ability to automate that sensitivity analysis, right? Yeah. Not, not always put it on the responsibility of the person to ask all the right questions, but to actually surface up our understanding of your supply chain, of your model, here is the automated sensitivity analysis is the goal, right? And then trade off cost, 
and really financials because we've been cost focused. But as you know, well, no, Laura, there's a more than just cost when we right. try to think about financial, but financial services and then a risk score. What is what is the risk inside of that supply chain design and how do we mitigate that risk and what does it mean to us? And many companies don't even know their risk appetite. They're, they're not sure where they are on the spectrum of that. Right. Well, and we've seen the market become far more conservative, fewer innovators, but people think about the redesign of work, Jeff. I think the technology is the easy part, even though, you know, you're knee deep I, and you're dealing right. every day with it. And it's not easy, but I think it's easier than the redesign of work. And what kind of insight do you have going into the conference? Because we're going to be talking a lot about that for people as they sit and think about the potential of new technologies, the art of the possible redesigning work, any insights? Yeah, it's a, it's a really great question. I mean, I think, I think at the heart of it, we are trying to think about redesigning work by elevating the level inside of the organization where decisions are really made and how to make it easier for those decisions to happen. I think part of what, you know, I've been on a mission for a long time, Laura, as you well know, that we're trying to get organizations and companies. The technology has been available, but the notion of using it on an ongoing, continuous basis is really not established in lots of companies. And so companies are still thinking about this design problem as where do I place my facilities and my plants, right? right? But, but design is, is way more than that. So understanding under what conditions do you, do you change flow, right? When do I realign my customer service territories? When do I change my stocking strategies? We've got to get that into a rhythm, right? That's not a periodic, I'm on fire, I have a problem, I have a merger. It's got to be an all the time evaluation, which changes work, right? In the way that we think about this. So I think that's where we'd like to see it go. And part of that is from a technologist perspective, we have to make this thing super easy to use, incredibly insightful and really fast and scalable in order to bring that into the world. It's not a three, six, nine month project that people always think about when they hear supply chain design. Well, it's not a project, but the other thing that I think is important is supply chain leaders fight fires, right? Then we might as well hire the Dalmatians and get the fire trucks because if they're not fighting fires, they don't feel rewarded. So as we think about the redesign of work and we look at opportunities, we've got to really kind of quell that, uh, you know, firefighting kind of mentality and, look at how do we have supply chain to go from the customer's customer, supplier, supplier. And one of the is other issues I think is over the last decade, we have defined supply chain more narrowly. In the 1980s, we had a wider definition of supply chain in most organizations than they do today because the implementation of technology, we got CRM, we got SRM, and then supply chain became more distribution inventory. A lot of people struggle with holistic uh, processes. Right. But right. Jeff, I look forward to seeing you at the conference. Any last words of wisdom? No, I do as well. I look forward to being with you, Laura. I mean, I've been to lots of these with you and always enjoy the dialogue and conversation and just, you know, hope that hope that we can make a difference by, by being at the conference and in general. So I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you here. Okay. Well, thank you. And so we'll see you then. Sounds All great. Best. Thanks, Laura.